Hello and welcome. I'm Jill Martin, the host of the Morning Bell podcast. Today, I have a chat with Luke and Ian for our 50th episode. For the media section, we chat about Black Sales, Better Call Saul, and S-Town. And for the topic, we get a little reflective. It's been a fun ride thus far, so we decided to take an episode to speak honestly and frankly about our personal writing journeys. We like to believe that the podcast provides informational content that is both honest and direct, so that is what we hope to achieve with this episode. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to email me on the address mailbox at thepenofjoel.com. And as always, you can chat to us on the Morning Bell Twitter, which is at the underscore morning bell. We check it regularly and are always willing to engage in conversation. Thanks for listening. As always, you're the reason this is still going, and we hope to continue providing engaging content in the future. Hello and welcome. I'm Joel Martin, the host of the Morning Bell podcast, and today we're at the Brunswick Street Bookstore. I have two jokers opposite me because today is our 50th episode. Do we have whistles? We have like lots of people here. It's great. Fantastic. I wanted to get one of those um, whistles, but uh, they cost money. Hmm. Ian, welcome to the podcast. Can you do your best Joel impression? Hello, and welcome to the Morning Bell Podcast. My name is Ian, and I'll be your co-host this evening. Fantastic. Luke, how about you? Hello, and welcome to the Morning Bell Podcast. <laughs> My name is Luke Manley, and I'm pretending to be Joel. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I like it. It's not bad. I would give you a solid four. Out Ian, of? And uh, four out of ten. Yeah. And uh, Luke, you're probably a three. Oh. <laughs> well, we can't one, all... One's the top score, right? We can't all be fours, three. Listen, there's, you know, there's a certain level of fabulous that you need to achieve before you can ascend into the joldom, right? Sit in the in the in the really uncomfortable chair. Really uncomfortable chair. Yeah. This is a confession, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that I have never actually sat in one of those very comfortable uh, chairs that the guests usually sit in uh, for um, our entire history in being in the bookstore. Hmm. Uh, so basically, what I'm saying is, I hate my co-hosts. Oh, well. We can, right. yeah. we, yeah. can turn, we can deal. Yeah, we can do it. Not and with up, that, so. if you haven't noticed, we are quite casual today because we are celebrating a 50th anniversary of um, having a great run at this podcast. And I'd like to start it off by saying thank you to everyone who's listened all, for all 50 episodes. Um, we have a lot more episodes, but they're not technically, you know, the canon of the canon. Uh, bookshop we episodes. When we sold to Disney. Can mm. we sell to Disney? Um, call me. Disney. <laughs> it's, we can cool. we can work something out. You know, Disney. Um, I don't know, Penguin, Kleenex. You know, anyone. Yeah, I will. I will chill. <laughs> Joey from Carlton, if you're listening, come yeah. on down. Especially like clothing manufacturers. If you guys mm. want to sponsor us, I personally would be very happy if you have a good suit range. Ah. I would go in for that. Or pajamas. Oh no, <laughs> I sleep in a suit. What can I say? Ian, uh, welcome to the podcast. How have you been? How's your week been? Yeah, pretty good. Um, I'm just in the process of, of uh, doing a lot of editing. So, yeah, it's been a pretty pretty busy week, but it's it's great being here. Fantastic. Um, now, our listeners are probably going to see this quite late, but you've got a Reddit thing going on tonight yeah. at 12 a.m. Yeah, I'm going to be up to all hours tonight, uh, doing being the uh, writer of the day on uh, Reddit's r slash fantasy. So if you do a quick search for IH Laking slash r slash fantasy, and I'm sure you'll come up with my AMA. 
which is very exciting. And uh, yeah, it's gonna be great. Fantastic. Well, I'll 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 look in the in the Reddit and uh, in the Reddit <laughs> in sphere the Reddit. Um, <laughs> and have a look at and ask you uncomfortable questions under a fake username. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Uh, Luke, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Uh, good to be, good. Good to have you. Good. You're I in the guest chat too. today. How does it feel? Do you feel special? I feel very guested. You feel oh, guested. Oh. Mm. Is that like a pun for rested? A little bit. Uh, <laughs> all right. Can you leave now? Is, it, right. is this? Are we done? That's um, yeah. How has your week been, Luke? That's oh, good. 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 Yeah. Good. Uh, mostly reading. I mean, like tons and tons of and reading. watching. Remember? Yeah, watching and reading. Well, consuming. Should I say? Consuming. <laughs> Just <laughs> devouring. Devouring. <laughs> A gluttonous devouring of content. Wolfing down. Mm. Yeah, I like it. Shoveling. Uh, I'm waiting for the day when I can vomit words. That's right. no. You have though. I'd you like used to, to write. A serialized, yeah. I mean, every, you know, Soul Shard Chronicles. I, I mean, did. all of our listeners have definitely read it. Um, mm. How many listeners do we have again? I, I have no idea. But oh, anyway, right. yep. the you, you serialized your content. You used to you used to post up every day. Oh, that was so much fun. That was so much fun. That was that was great. See, I I remember when I first met you. I read your content back to front because it was on a blog post, and I was like, man, either I'm really stupid or I don't actually know what's going on, or this is some sort of literary metafiction that I don't understand. Why the character is going back in time? Mm. And then he was like, oh, you just read it upside down. I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> that's good. Right. That's the downside of blogs. Like, oh, yeah, that's the, the downside board, yeah. of blogs. Mm. I think. Uh, oh, you read the post history backwards. Yes. Oh. And the story just made the no sense. The most recent comes up first. I was like, how yeah. is this character getting younger? Like, I don't... How does this make sense? Yeah. I think Luke's a bad writer. That was <laughs> my... So it wasn't, any, it wasn't Memento, is what you're no, saying. No. Not Memento. It wasn't, and it wasn't Benjamin Button either. No. It uh, okay. certainly was not. Um, well, how have you guys found the podcast over 50 episodes? I mean, Ian, you, you're kind of not mm. part of this conversation, really, because you're a newbie. Yeah, I'm you're, such a noob. You're the newborn of our podcast. That's right. I've been... But you can be part of it because you're the but replacement, you can be part really. Of, yes. <laughs> I'll provide the fresh perspective. The fresh perspective. From oh, a, gee. You know, so All right. You should talk to the old hand first. We'll, we'll talk to the old hand. How well, has it been? Back in my day. <laughs> back in the day when you used to podcast from your garage from on my, an iPad, my Luke. car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which we had Elizabeth Flux on for that episode. One of the first. Mm-hmm. Um, it is your first episode, Luke. But how how has it been putting up with all of this for more than fifty episodes now? It's a lot of fun, really. Yeah, meeting all the different authors and editors and publishers and writers and emerging writers, which I'd like to say are writers, but like myself, we're not quite fully fledged yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Fledglings. Fledglings. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. A lot of um, a lot of good things to to find out and. And learn and mm. yeah. yes, it it is it is very true. Um, in your uh, what like five six, ep- we've done actually a lot because we went to the Somerset Festival together and we kind yeah. of I've more like ten or twelve. Isn't yeah, it? it's, it's quite, quite a lot a at now at this point. But um, you still you've had a taste. You've had quite a big gulp mm. of uh, of the podcast. What do you what do you think? Yeah, it's really good. I think it's uh, it's always fun to be on here, and you get to spend time with uh, with authors more time than you would normally spend in conversation mm. with authors. And I think we were chatting about it earlier. You kind of just can absorb a whole lot of information and and chat about things. So it's nice to be able to meet people from broad backgrounds with lots of different perspectives and a lot of knowledge. And I, I think being 
uh, co-hosts on this podcast, you can o- can only be good for you and your writing. Mm. You know, you, you don't lose knowledge getting here. You really get a whole lot of information, and it's great. Well, um, speaking as the host of the podcast, it's been an absolute regression of... Uh, <laughs> now, um, <laughs> there's a big difference here, let's be real. Uh, no, yeah, no, it's, it's been exactly the same for me. I think talking to guests and yes ladies and gentlemen in case you're wondering this is a very self-congratulatory oh. episode of us just like patting each other on the back continuously <laughs> for the next hour but uh i hope you enjoy that um but yeah i think it's been a really good run so far and yeah i i don't think it's unfair to say that this kind of content is different uh to a lot of other kind of uh, interview style shows um where we really we treat the guests just as a human being um, we make them feel as comfortable as possible in order f- so that you might look at them in a different light, that you mm. might see them um, as people first and then as writers um, and really dig into their own content, but also see their content and let it stand for, the, for itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just getting in the head of writers and figuring out what makes them tick and you know what they bring to their writing is very different. Um, mm. I have to say on those, on that, in that vein... Um, it's a lot of fun. A lot of the stuff that you guys don't hear on the podcast is uh, the pre the pre show. Sure, we actually yeah. get mm. to know all these different authors. Um, you know what they're doing at the moment. Yeah, non professional stuff, just how mm. their how their lives are going. Yeah, and it's mm. just it's just nice to see authors being humans. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So yeah. often you pick up a book and it's you know you get lost in the book and you you don't necessarily I mean, you forget the person. You might pick it. up an interview or whatever, like you were saying, an yeah. uh, interview mm. on uh, YouTube or on TV or something, mm. and or radio, and you're like, oh, that's that's cool, but you, they don't get into the you know, the flesh and blood of what they do every day. Mm. Yeah, and I think it's really important because uh, sycophancy will only get you very far. Um, only get you very far. <laughs> only get you. <laughs> wow, Freudian. Yeah. Anyway, no, but like learn uh, about you, a lot about you in that moment. I know, right? Uh, but no, the the times that I've always mm. found the most awkward whenever I've been involved in writing events is when someone is kind of fawning over um, a writer because uh, people are very normal, and I think all of us as writers, no matter what our level of success mm. is, commercial success. Um, would and what you define as success. Yeah, yeah what you define as success, that's right. So in terms of commercial success that mm. many people see, you, you don't change as a person necessarily. You'd hope yeah. you wouldn't change as a person. And so um, I think it's really important to have a conversation where it's just person to person and you're looking at a thing that we all love in writing. Yeah. And, you know, just a shout out to uh, a fellow podcaster as well, like uh, Joshua Pomare. Uh, a couple episodes ago he was on and, you know, he has a very similar, um, more focused and more in-depth on the work. Um, so, you know, absolutely check him out. Uh, he's a star. Mm. So, yeah, give him a bit of love as well. Um, but, yeah, I really do think that um, providing conversation like this is important to the ecology of, of writing in general. So um, I'm glad you guys are sticking around and uh, mm. contributing as co-host. And to the listeners, thank you for listening. Well, um, and that's it. Uh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite. We uh, we still have to bore you for the rest of the time and, and give you what our thoughts are on the media we're consuming and have a little bit of a topic as well, which is more personal focused. And maybe you guys um, don't know a lot about us. Um, so this is your chance to find out about what we think about ri- our writing journeys and where we're going um, and where we uh, hope to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start off with the media section. Ian, why don't you get the ball rolling and mm. tell us what you've been uh, watching? Yeah, really? so... I've been, uh, I've been, so because of the fact I've been really in depth with my uh, editing over the last uh, few weeks, it hasn't been actually a lot of success for me in um, in getting, consuming a lot of media. So it's been quite time consuming. That's okay. Uh, the things that I have finished, I managed to 
finish off Northern Lights, which was great. I really enjoyed it. Looking forward to getting into the next book, uh, which is The Subtle Knife. Um, and also really enjoyed The Return of Better Call Saul, which very excited about. Um, and... It's wonderful. So here's a question for you. And um, so for those who don't know Better Call Saul, it's sort of like a prequel to Breaking Bad of the main character. Um, or, yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah, the mm. world around him and the people around him. Here's a question for you, and I've heard this brought up before. Um, since you know where these characters are going to end up, since you know that he's going to have this failed mm. relationship pretty much with this character that seems to be made for him in mm. the show, right? Yeah. Is there a little bit of like suspension? Of display, you know, it sort of cuts through that and be like, of course this is not going to happen. Or is, is the journey interesting enough to keep you there? Yeah, the journey is interesting enough because you're really, you're watching, um, and because it's got so many of the same people from uh, from Breaking Bad in it, uh, I mean, the cinematography, I have to say as well, just watching the cinematography is ridiculous. It's just mm. so good to watch. So that in one part, just watching these shots and thinking, who, how could you conceive this? Yeah. Brilliant. Um, but then the other side of it is you see it, you're seeing a man, you know where he ends up. You know where Saul uh, Goodman ends up in, mm. in Walter White's life. And to see how he got to that point from where he was really humanizes him. And he was already one of the most fantastic characters on Breaking Bad. But just, yeah, to see him uh, kind of it humanizes him and you, you want to see how it's going to end. It's compelling story, storytelling. And you don't know how it's going to end uh, exactly. Like, you don't know. So that's the, that's the brilliance of it. There you go. Fantastic. Luke, what about you? What have you been watching? Now, you've watched a couple of shows that I have watched as well. So now we just get to fawn over the same things. I hate the same things, maybe, <laughs> hopefully. Um, get it started. What have you been watching? Uh, you want to start with Black Sails, oh. I assume. Mm. Um, so let's, let's talk about the final season of Black Sails. <laughs> and Ian, you can tune out if you have any interest. Yeah, I'll in tune out. It's in, fine. <laughs> in watching, oh, yeah, right. pretty much. Um, so let's, let's, let's talk about... Um, uh, and, and for those listening, Ian just walked off because <laughs> he's off you know, the stage. He's off the stage, and oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Um, so let, let's talk about the final season of Black Sails, Luke. Uh, we enjoyed the show for the most part, um, mm-hmm. but I, for, for what, from my perspective, I thought the final season let it down simply because I don't think character development really happened. Like the characters sort of ended in a way that I considered to be unbelievable, in a bad way. What do you think? It's funny because I, I want to call spoilers, but at the same time, you think it actually it spoiled itself, so <laughs> it doesn't really qualify. You could just ignore the last. You could what, just three end episodes. The, yeah, yeah. Something like the last three episodes, you could just stop there and and just believe that everything works out and you're great. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it did let itself down. Actually, no, it was just the last episode. It, it really it was, was just, just the last, the last episode, episode about. 25 minutes into it it just decided to say well by the way everything Exposition. was everything was meaningless yeah the it in- wasn't the um you know wake up from a dream well it was almost that technique yeah applied to a very long complicated story where people are dying all over the place for a very strong cause and then it just stops and it's okay oh. for a cause to die it's okay it's for okay, things to yeah. fail but it didn't it didn't it, even like, do that it kind of it petered out very quickly it was a soft... Like, one of the more most passionate characters in the whole series just stops and says, eh, whatever. So, yeah. can I ask you guys, having not bothered with uh, Black Sails, can you think of a reason as to why the writers did this? Now, I this is my opinion, um, and 
uh, having absolutely no inside knowledge as to what, you know, I don't know the mm. gossip surrounding on why this show stopped and all that. And a lot of people have said, like, I think it was the showrunners who said that, you know, it was meant to stop at this point. I just don't think it was. Right. You know, I really do feel they were like, okay, we got to stop at the next season, tie this off now. Yeah, it did feel like a, bu- a budget thing. Right. Did it, did it feel like, did it feel like they, um, they uh, they just is, was it like slamming on the brakes in the car really it really hard? did feel Grabbing like the yeah handbrake? yeah there was relatively a, there was also a lot of retreading of old ground so the, the, there's a common theme where it's like pirates want Nassau British uh, Empire wants to keep Nassau um, strong antagonist usually the governors of Nassau and sometimes pirates against other pirates and, and and you know the idea of the pirates retaking Nassau is that is one of the major themes in the last you know two sh- sh- seasons I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and in the last season it was like and now we're at Nassau again and maybe we're gonna take it and oh you know spoilers things happen and we mm. can't and now the show ends and it's like and there's something you brought up and I've been mulling over this Luke we had a long conversation about uh, the death of Blackbeard spoilers it happens in real life um, <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, Blackbeard's not alive still? <laughs> really? Oh. I thought he was Elvis. So the, the interesting thing that happens in history is that Blackbeard goes down fighting. In the show, he doesn't. Mm. It, it, it's historical fiction, which is fine. But And I've been thinking about this over the next couple of days of us having a long conversation about how I, I told Luke, I think Blackbeard went out in a good way. Right, I think Blackbeard mm-hmm. went out in a good way, um, and Luke, what are your violently thoughts on that? disagreed at yeah. the time? I think, I think I've toned down a little bit now. I mean, I always have violent reactions to things that um, frustrate me. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, it. I still not very happy with it. I still think it could have been any other character that they brought in that could have been fantastic for it, but I. It was a very strong way he went out. So for story and for character and for building everything up and for mm. sheer emotional reaction, it was fantastic. Yep. It was yep. very well done. And see, see, this is what I, I, was, I, was telling, I was telling Luke. I was like, I really like it because I thought it elicited a great emotional reaction from me. However, now I'm actually thinking about it a bit more and I'm thinking, well, he's kind of emblematic of the problem of the whole show. I, I really think that he is the icon of what went wrong in the show mm. is that Flint as a character, which I deeply love, mm-hmm. right? He's my favorite character of that show. Um, and not a lot of people like Flint because he doesn't really change very much over the show. And he has um, kind of an unfavorable look at everyone. So, you know, antagonistic. People don't like him back. Um, except for one character, which is John Silva. And they both have quite a close bond, kind of. Um yeah, <laughs> but I think Blackbeard's death is emblematic of the problem of the show. Blackbeard's death didn't make sense to his character trajectory, and yeah. I and I will completely agree with you on that now, mm-hmm. um, because I just think mm-hmm. you create this character and you create this strong, ambitious character, and then you're like, he lost, he lost faith. Oh, he, you know, so he, somebody and he loved died, and you know, he's he he died. <laughs> He gives up. And it, yeah. And I was like, what? why? And even though I like his death, mm. even though I like the manner of his death, it didn't make sense. Not to him. N- not to him. Like, and not to the story. And, and this is the problem with the ending of Black Sails that just frustrates me so much. The show that had so much great things going for it. And then Flint, 
seemingly abandoning his quest for vengeance in the last 20 minutes in the last 20 minutes after he explicitly says you gotta kill me because I'm not going to change and then somehow Silver's like let me have a long and very drawn out speech of how I changed his mind off screen (laughs) what? (laughs) I just didn't buy it you know? See, look, I think it would even have been successful as an ending if if he died. That if Flint had I died. think if he'd been Flint shot, should have died. You could still pull the brakes on the se- on the whole series and say that was okay. that was awesome. Yeah, he Not went awesome because you'd think that some repercussions would follow, but but it it'd be an ending that yeah. satisfies better. Yeah, I, <laughs> it I, makes more sense. I completely agree with that. And and what? See, this is the thing. You said that Blackbeard's death should have ended as he did historically. He fought. I think Flint's death should have ended as how Treasure Island depicted his death, which is he was dying on his ship and mm. he gave the information to Silver of where the gold was. Mm. That, that, that would make absolute sense as to what happens here. Flint gets shot by Woods Rogers or something like that. They go on a ship. They're escaping. They've got the gold. Flint's dying. He gives the location to Silver. Silver's on a rowboat. He rows off. The sun goes down. Mm. We know what's going to happen. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Why yeah. not? I. Yeah. It's easy to do. <laughs> um, instead, they chose to deal with. Eh. And yeah, they were like, "Let's give characters happy endings right. in a pirate didn't... drama." Mm. Yeah, let's give char- <laughs> characters happy endings. But not just happy. They weren't necessarily happy. It was more like a... Bittersweet. Uh, bittersweet. That didn't make any sense. Nostalgic. Very nostalgic. Fan servicey. Uh, what? Fan servicey with the whole Fan like... Fan Like, oh, Flint finally ended up with someone he loved. It's like that sort of invalidates so, his entire but character. But not even... That, they pulled the hand of God there. They were yeah. like, this mm. guy has been <laughs> dead for like the <laughs> yeah, they really entire did. series. Yep. And they're like, oh, by the way, I, he he probably still exists somewhere, and and then he does just yeah. Ta-da. Right. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you're making me think of so just to to maybe a comparison. Um, yeah. Ugly Ugly Betty, which was a show, yep. got some real. I don't know if either of you guys have, have watched. Particularly. I know of it. Yeah. Right. My my wife is a big fan, mm-hmm. and uh, I watched a bit of. I mean, it lost its way a bit, and then they said, okay, we're cutting it, and they kind of tied it up. And even though it was a fairly like. You know, as a fairly vanilla ending, mm. it felt at least like, yeah, you know, you kind of saw it coming and okay. it, it felt like yeah. it was an okay ending. And, you know, uh, whereas it sounds like with this, maybe they just didn't, they didn't have the commitment to an ending, which was, which was needed. It felt like the seeds had been well planted in Ugly Betty mm. and they just kind of, you know, they germinated those really quickly. Yeah. That was it. For for the benefit of Ian, I won't say a character which is incredibly important to the show dies. I think in the, you know, in a and he was an incredibly strong uh, character, ah, okay. and his death made sense. However, the repercussions of his his death did not. There was yeah, a const- it's actually it's actually uh, directly contradictory yes. because mm. at the point of his death, the everybody in the vicinity. Mm. was reacting and they were like oh wow this is going to cause a revolution nothing happens no revolution nothing right. yeah. nothing at all there's a lot of this there's yeah. no revolt there's no like resistance well, like a tiny like two men resistance mm. um nothing happens yeah. and it's it was like the most this is one of the strongest in fact it was the strongest death i think other yeah. than other than blackbeard other but than that Black, yeah. thing is blackbeard's death wasn't affecting tons of people just like a little ship yeah. of people 
But that, that death was the most effective, I think. It was the most in effective. In terms of eliciting emotion. In terms of the story. And the bravery of the writers to be like, kill a, f- a fan favorite character. Yeah. So maybe maybe that's it. And maybe that's the lesson you can take from the frustration of that is that uh, good writing requires bravery. Yep. And they had bravery in moments and they didn't have it in other moments that would have really counted. And I stand by saying that some of the seasons in Black Seals were some of the best TV I'd watched mm-hmm. that year. Um, but I was incredibly disappointed with the ending i know a lot of people love the ending i know the reviews are really? very favorable high, was it um but <laughs> i yeah I, I really did feel let down by what was promising to be one of the best tv Can shows imagine how much watched. better the reviews would be if it had ended well yep. oh i think there we go. i think that was yeah i think they really lost heart towards the end and i think they just thought no nah, we'll just make characters go away in a way that maybe they started a reddit forum to say uh, what should the ending be <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> There's one thing you should not do at Scour Reddit yeah. for writing ideas <laughs> right. for your show. <laughs> there you go. It feels um, like they did. <laughs> anything else, Luke? Um, I actually want to bring up something that's not TV. It's still mm-hmm. media. Because um, I started listening to an audio drama book just recently. It reminded me of We're Alive, which is the old podcast I used to listen yep. to, a zombie survival story. Which is now on Spotify, which, on, and which you can yeah, listen quite easily. Yeah. But um, I started listening to that in 2002. 10, 11-ish. And it was a really well done audio dramatization of, as I said, like a zombie survival story set in uh, probably New York. I forget which. Mm. Or maybe it was Los Angeles. I actually forget which city, but... There's uh, a lot of spin-offs to that show. But it was really well done because it wasn't just like your your average two-man audio drama. It was like fully... Well-produced. It's not Mm. very common, is it? Most audio dramas are (laughs) well-fully acted. But there was a pretty big cast, um, very, very uh, well thought out, like music, musical scores and um, a sound effect. Everything was, it was fantastic. Mm. Like you, you could just close your eyes and you were there. And yep. I haven't heard tons of those. I'm sure there are quite a few of them. I remember one which was like the War of the Worlds. That was the, yeah. the original radio broadcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fun. But that, that's a, it's a uh, really... It's a fantastic medium which doesn't get looked into a lot. It, yeah, it was kind of a, a retro thing in the '90s in New Zealand. Uh, this is a very obscure one. We had this thing called Chicken Man, which was, uh, and I don't know if any listeners out there have ever heard of it. And that that used the full-on sound effects and everything. That it was serialized. Was that a lot of chicken and sounds? I don't know. It was a really silly kind of thing, but they would play it after the nine o'clock news every night. Nice. They would play a few minutes of this audio wow. series, and it was. Um, it was kind of funny. I should Google it, actually. I haven't even looked into I, it. But. I, I should lowbrow this conversation. And uh, what's your best chicken sound? Uh, Luke? You know I'm just going to do something from, uh, from Arrested Development, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> all I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah, so good. Anyway, <laughs> yes. That's audible. it. That's all I got. Mm-hmm. I'm not that lowbrow. Interesting. Oh, right. It's fine. Now. I will. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Come, come for the conversation. Stay come, for the chicken Come sandwich. for the 50th anniversary of a literary podcast. Hear chicken sounds instead. That's it. That's what I expected. That's this is why we need guests. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's good. Keep you in check. You know. Yeah, that's right. Keep us honest. Um, but yeah, there you go. Very, very interest, interesting. I've been listening to something audio related as well, which I'd like to talk about. And that was suggested by our previous um, guest, uh, C.S. Picat. And she mentioned S-Town the, um, from... The producers of This American Life and Serial, they went around and made S-Town, which um, I started listening to during um, my sessions of cooking and ironing. 
and cocaine and ironing. Cooking and ironing. I don't cook and iron at the same time. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. I did not. No. Um, there you go. Uh, cooking iron, maybe. Is that? Yeah. yeah. Nice. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, yes. And I thought you went lowbrow, Luke. Uh, so, yeah. So S Town. It's a. It's a really well-produced show. And just like CS Cat, I don't want to give too much away. So there mm. is a man and there is a town. That's very true. Yeah. Um, but I was talking to Ian a bit about this before the, uh, we started recording, and that's uh, it really knows how to create engagement in a story. It knows how to structure, um, really create an air of mystery around characters and slow reveals while keeping you uh, teased and really interested in it. And all of this stuff is, you know, it's, you know, it's not fiction, but... Um, it's done in a very competent and well-constructed manner, hmm. and it's absolutely worth a listen. This is not new. There's a lot of people that love S-Town. It hit yeah, you know, the top of the charts yeah, almost instantly on iTunes. Hmm. Um, of course, you know, we beat it uh, soon after. <laughs> and uh, it's, <laughs> you know, laughing just devalues <laughs> this. Anyway, um, it's really good, and you should absolutely listen to it if you have got the time they are about an hour each mm-hmm. so uh, it's a substantial amount of time but um well worth it i will definitely say mm-hmm. so cool. that wraps up our media section uh for today and we'll move on to a topic now i was talking to the guests um which happened to just be our co-hosts uh about mm-hmm. what we would talk about today you know 50th episode and all and i thought why don't we just you know get really honest with our listeners and um, speak about our experiences as writers. And in case you didn't know, we're not just media people. <laughs> we are all um, writers that loved writing, and hence this was our way to, you know, contribute to mm-hmm. the the writing economy as such um, and provide content for people. And, um, yeah, I just, I just wanted to really dig into us, um, so both our listeners and also maybe... Um, we can just share and have uh, a really interesting time talking about our experiences as writers. Mm. Writers first. So, Luke, why why don't I start with you? You 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 know you were here at the start of this, so it's only fair <laughs> that um, I put you in the limelight here. So, was I the first one of us who did public writing? Mm. Yes. I'm curious to think. Yeah. Um, yeah. When, when, when did you start writing? When did you start writing? I started uh, publishing this on my website in 2011. Yep. Yeah. Definitely before me. So I was, seri- I was serializing my first story. I yeah. I on my website. All right, you keep talking, and I'll do some fact checking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't have a phone. I can't fact check. Yep. It's all right. Um, yes, I think you. Yeah. Ma- yeah, I Probably think you were the first. Yeah, yeah, I was close right. after. So I can call myself the oldie here in yeah. terms of public writing. The old hand. Of course, hand. Yep. Of course Joel had like several books written before I'd even started writing, but public writing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, no, no. So I, I, I think it was my favorite experience as a writer was um, serializing my book before I finished putting it together. A lot of fun. Um, it sort of uh, helped to keep the writing going. Helped to. Can I um, ask you why you decided to serialize? It's an interesting it, story. Did you think it through, or did Not you in, dive in? Yeah, yeah. I didn't think everything through. <laughs> <laughs> um. There's a few a few reasons. First of all, I'd just finished writing probably like my only ever year of writing a journal. I haven't kept one since. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote a journal for a year and then and then I was like, you know what? Writing about my life's really boring. Why don't I write about a different person's life right. in diary form? About uh, 20, 30 
20, 30 um, mm-hmm. entries in, I looked back at all the stuff and I was like, you know what? Each of these would probably fit a blog post or like make, mm. make yeah. for good blogging. Mm-hmm. And I decided that a good 10 of them were mm-hmm. to, uh, you know how, uh, when we were starting to, Hmm. Uh, when, when you start uh, first start learning the you know fundamentals of writing, yeah. You, yeah. you you hear about this. Um, don't start with the paragraph telling about what used to happen or did happen yeah. before. Start with the action. Mm. So I thought it was about ten posts which I got to cut out, and then I kept going from there. And it just felt really well. And I spent a lot of late mornings hmm. because <laughs> that's how I. Yeah, that's where my writing yeah. starts yep. to happen when I'm falling asleep while I'm with <laughs> pencil in hand. Yeah, but um, it was also a bit of a different writing process because look, I'd write it on paper and then I'd type it out mm. and use an editing process in the middle. So, mm. but again, that was that was probably the most fun fun I've had in writing and the most uh, like engaging, keep going writing. Sort yeah, of project because because you had to think about it. I every had to day. keep going. It was like I had I had an audience and yeah. I got like an ongoing audience. It was not like you when you're publishing a book. Mm. And you write the whole book. It's a static And then thing. you get it edited. And then you um, run it past people for like the first time they've ever seen it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then you publish it for people. No, it's like ongoing. So people are like mm. giving you feedback or whatever as you go. And um, yeah. this was like an, like an organic, so, organic book. So to, so to throw it, I guess, to the future, um, like six years. It's 2017 now. Um, you know, what are the... I, I, I'm... There was something that I had a conversation with both Luke and Ian about. Is I, I don't want this conversation to be generic in that way, mm. um, in the way that people are just like, "What do you think of writing now?" It's like we we assume <laughs> um, that you, you don't hate it, that you don't hate it, <laughs> since you're still here. However, I'm more interested in the ups and downs. You know, what what was a low for you? You know, um, and what was a high? Ooh, the lows of that. Mm. The low. I think the biggest lows of that was when you've posted something like say two weeks ago and you think ah that was not a great the great wasn't written as well as it could have yeah. been mm-hmm. um, that is the downside of serializing yeah yeah um yep. and you think ah that's not how the story should have gone so you've got to work around it you've got mm. to work with it which is mm. fine i mean that's that's also part of learning mm. <laughs> and part of writing yeah um and I think, to be honest, it helps to make it even more organic because yeah. if, if if you write it as it comes to you, mm. it it's not going to be perfect. That's that's for sure. Mm. <laughs> but yeah. it it will have a life of its own, which is different. Yeah, um, there's an excitement to that too. Yeah, and I think that's one thing I've always um, sort of thought about writing myself is that um, it comes to us, it comes to writers as where as where writing it out it, it sort of it reveals itself to us mm. Mm. and was that i don't know it was, it was you joel that told me the other day that the f- even yeah it was you the the first draft you write most is honest. always the most true draft yeah. mm. you can edit it and sure there might be really good changes mm. but it won't be quite the same to you mm. Um, mm. and it won't be quite the same when you read through it mm. yeah. um in Let's mm. let's throw it to you. Um, mm. Let's do origin story. So, like, when was that? When was the writing decision made? Yeah. And uh, public writing, I guess. 
Yeah, well, I um, I loved writing when I was a kid, um, and I, I didn't really expect to return to it, and it wasn't until... Uh, so I started blogging about um, 2013 on very different topics like social justice and yeah. uh, belief and whatever else. Mm. So it was, it was a very different um, forum and, and idea. Um, and I enjoyed that, and I, I first had the thrill of something you write getting some kind of viral traction, which was, um, you know, it wasn't like the most astounding thing. I, I remember it got like a thousand hits in a day and i was like wow it was, you know put it up on reddit and people really associated it was about mental health and you mm. know it was it was a good good piece and i remember thinking oh wow you know there's really something there and uh but then I, I just i kind of ran out of steam on that on blogging and i i realized that i wanted something more and i had a story idea that was bouncing around in my head um and it was actually it was one of the most busy times in my professional life i i took on a really massive project and uh, I was you know under a lot of pressure at work and that was actually the moment that I decided to start writing fiction it was kind of like maybe not an outlet but I it kind of became a catalyst that I needed I did need something to do to distract me I think from the amount of, of work a bit of a stress relief or something yeah exactly yeah. and so that's when I I had this idea about uh, you know it all started from having an idea about a a robot, and I thought, well, what if something malfunctioned? And that's where the whole idea for what went wrong with Mrs. Milliard's <laughs> mech came from. Mm. And my, my wife was away for a weekend, and I thought, well, what better time than to spend, mm. you know, a good 20 hours writing? Mm. Yeah, I, and I was talking to you about this before when I was asking the... <laughs> uh, I guess you can always tell when someone is going to be a really, you know, good storyteller, or at least a storyteller, mm. um, when under pressure they decide to write a story, you know, uh, a piece of good prose and a good, you know, story rather than a rant on the internet <laughs> about how bad their life is going. While that can have benefit uh, on catharsis, mm. um, I guess you could see, like, yeah, the pressure makes you do something you really want to do. Yeah. Um, and I guess that was the that was for you. So, so yeah, yeah. highs and lows. What what do you think the low was in your mm. um, in currently? Yeah, yeah the, the low I think was was realizing that um, again something could have been written better, and I think this yeah. is this, this is the tyranny right of self publishing. Yeah. <laughs> like I I walked into self publishing without realizing the rigors of the industry and yeah. why those exist. And while those can sometimes be frustrating, I really appreciate what um, and and like any gatekeeper will tell you they make mistakes and things and yeah. say, you know could do things better. That's fine, but. The, in in general, the industry has these things in place because they, you know, the the editing process improves things. There is a bar for a reason. Yeah, there's a bar for a reason, and you can skip that bar with self publishing. To sometimes to the to the detriment. Often, it it means it doesn't come out quite as well as it could. But in saying that, there's also a chance for some things to get through, uh, like CS Picat did with her work, where you know it's actually really solid and deserves uh, yeah. deserves to yeah. be going to a wide audience so I, I stumbled into self-publishing I think I'll always say that um, and it's just uh, I was kind of lucky to have um, this is in no way saying that I am amazing but just saying you know I, I was my, my natural ability could get me so far yeah. and that in a sense I got away with some things but you know the low was I remember seeing someone who said look this could be so much better um, and uh, they they started their review with and I think I might have mentioned on the podcast before uh, you know uh, was it texting that ruined the English language wow and that was the start of the review and you know like one star reviews where people don't leave you any comments I can I can write those off as being annoying but when someone actually leaves some really you know uh, some point, pointed commentary mm. which actually rings true that's difficult so I think that's probably mm. the, the kind of low point for me um, well, I, you know, I, I did preface this was being an honest discussion, so heck, it's honesty. Um, and 
let's let let me confess a few things i guess uh you, you know we, we we have this running theme now about like self-publishing and the things you regret so let me jump into what i did um inquisitor came out in february uh 2012 so thanks to ian for fact checking that valentine's day <laughs> yeah there you go um <laughs> a book about ri- uh, <laughs> the rigors of institutionalized religion and the dangers that come from genocide so you know happy valentine's everyone <laughs> I had good timing. I once, uh, and I've told the story before, there was this uh, person on the train that was that looked really distressed and very affected, and I had a copy of Inquisitor in my uh, in my bag, and I thought this could brighten their day, so I gave it to them, and uh, I never saw them on the train again. I'd seen them on the train consistently for about a year. I never saw them again. Anyway, that's the start of my career, I guess. Um, yeah, we, we can talk about stumbling into self-publishing. Uh, Mine was like, um, you know... Uh, going through a guillotine of self-publishing, where I walked into self-publishing, mm. I put my head on the <laughs> on the block, and I and I didn't realize a blade was coming down on me, and uh, right. that blade was self-awareness. <laughs> um, wow, deep <laughs> metaphors tonight. The uh, from chickens to metaphors. Yeah, yeah, you know, from yeah, chicken sounds to you know this deep metaphors. <laughs> um, I think Inquisitor in a nutshell. In a nutshell, oh. <laughs> I, and I think the reason because of it is you know you mentioned not realizing the bars set for a reason and all mm. all this idea and for me it was you know sheer <laughs> you know lack of self awareness of mm. what this product was and and what what uh, you know and, and I really I loved writing and I had written a lot when I was mm. much younger and as I got older I thought you know maybe I could. Maybe I could do this, you know, maybe. And I never really realized I wanted to be a writer, even when publishing Inquisitor. Mm. Um, and, you know, and, and you might think that I went to, a, you know, I just wrote a first draft and put it out there. And that's not true. Mm. Um, I, you know, I did a first draft. I did a second draft. I sent it to a professional editor. Mm. And despite all of those checks and balances, the book was released in an absolutely unfinished state. Right. Um, it released and uh, the reviews came in. Um, two professional reviews came in. And, and this is that idea of realizing that there's a bell curve mm. to reviews. The most helpful reviews are that, that curve, mm. right? There will be very few at the very low end. There will be very few at the high end. You, the best reviews you can have mm. are the, the middling reviews, mm. For me, I didn't get middling reviews. I got the extremes. I got one review giving me five stars and saying it was really good and referencing much better authors than myself in comparison to it. And the next review was an incredibly harsh, Mm. you know, uh, (laughs) reality check. Mm. Um, Mm. And at the time, I wrote, (laughs) this is showing you my inexperience at the time, me writing back to the reviewer and being like, I, I really don't think you've read my book, you know, the, some, and there were some mm. factual errors in the review. Um, however, the sentiment wasn't wrong, and mm. I can freely admit that now. Mm. But at the time, I was deeply affected by that, and mm. I thought this was incredibly unfair. Mm-hmm. Um, it was your baby. It, it was my baby. Um, but, you know, you kill a few after a while, and then you get mm. used to, to dealing with loss, I yeah. guess. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, <laughs> and And for me... That happened when, reality. yeah, when when that review came in and you know affected me a lot. But now I, I look at that review is one of the best reviews I ever received. Right. Um, and I can only say that really in the last uh, you know five six years uh, mm. by looking back at it and seeing he nailed down every single one of the points that needed to be improved hmm. in my writing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and having that harsh reality check really changed me as a, as a writer. And really, you know, we talk about this a lot on the podcast, at least I talk about it, is that I love the inside baseball of, of writing. I say this a lot. Mm. And the reason I say this a lot is because that review gave me that, um, right. that desire to learn and to never mm. stop learning. One of the reasons of doing this podcast and having a conversation with Lucas, who is the then editor of the, um, and still is the editor of the, mm. the Morning Bell, is saying that I wanted to create a conversation space mm. that we don't, you know, we can have this so that writers can look at this and be like, they made mistakes so we don't have to. Mm. Um, I didn't have that, and I mm. maybe I didn't open my paws enough to the writing industry enough to have that revelation of self-awareness mm. before it was too late. Anyway, th- there is that level of mm. um, growth that happens, and that for me anyway was violent uh, mm. and destructive. But so you that's know, the downside. What's the uh, upside of yours? The mm. upside would um, would definitely be just looking at a at some, a manuscript that I've written now and looking back on mm. a manuscript that I had written. Mm-hmm. And instead of um, bemoaning my uh, uh, bad luck of yep. not realizing how bad that was, instead thinking, I've come a long way. Mm. And I know there's always an upward climb. You know, I'm sure there's some diminishing returns eventually in your career. But mm. um, I think that's the, that's the positive take um, away mm. from me. Um, I think yeah. that... Um, oh, I- and everybody's given their bio now. So I, <laughs> I always thought I was going to be a writer. I, I thought... Mm. I love these books. I had a very insular upbringing, so it was um, mm. was like um, publishing super easy. I'm sure, um, <laughs> right. and I could write every day for money. Yeah. Um, but first of all, there was no money, and second of all, there was no publishing, and <laughs> um, <laughs> third of all, apparently I couldn't write back then. So <laughs> um, the the uh, interesting that stemmed out of that though was that I had made something of a promise to myself that the first that I was going to write only in one world. Mm. And I built up that world when I was uh, 12-ish. Mm-hmm. And the first book I wrote was from there. And I, I enjoy that world. It was good. A lot of fun. It's not the only thing I'm ever going to write in. I did have to um, mm. uh, withdraw that claim. But but um, it was quite interesting to, after I'd um, left school and all that, to, to write in that world and successfully mm. put out a book for that. So it was a lot of fun, real, a good realization. Mm. But um, I think... The advantage, I think I mentioned this earlier as well, but the advantage for me of serialization was that um, I had input from writers like mm. Joel and from mm. editors like um, Earl Livings mm. and um, a couple of others from for for the story as it went. So mm. I didn't have to go through quite the same <laughs> um, pain as yeah. Joel did mm-hmm. because I had some like sort of course correction as I went. Yeah. So. Mm. That's a really interesting way of putting it. That's awesome. So yeah. Yeah, I found that helpful for me. I'm not saying it's the way for everyone. Obviously, serialization is mm. not always possible. Mm. But yeah. it was a better experience, especially for a first book. It, it kind of helped me yeah. to figure out what mm. to do structurally, how to kind of flesh out characters properly and all that, all that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if I was to think about an up, because I didn't actually put it up in there uh the, the best thing that i ever did was to um get involved with my local writing community now i know there are plenty of writers out there who say it uh it's a big shout out to writers victoria um because now i don't just say that as a um 
as a uh, sycophantic no- notion, um, but actually it was the best thing that I could do because um, several things happened. So I started out by getting a, a manuscript assessment done on my work, um, which was you know good, and I, I put up a review of how that went and stuff, and I didn't know anyone I was engaging with, but then I went along to, and I kind of stumbled into, many things I've stumbled into, I think, mm. in my writing. I stumbled into to Writers Victoria, the group here in Victoria, Australia, and... Um, and it wasn't so much the institution as it was the people that I got to meet through that. And those people, then I got to meet other people. And actually the network of real living writers yeah. who yep. uh, go through similar things has been the best thing by far for me because I've, it, I I'm often talk about demystifying writing as a process. I feel like there's a veil which, which sometimes people like to put up around writing. And, and sometimes that can be from people who don't really understand, who are you know, mm. starting out maybe. And there's a mysticism to writing where we venerate authors. And, and while I think it's important for us to have respect for people's ability and that kind of thing, I think it's important for us also to say that writing can be taught and good story yep, writing, absolutely. good story you know, can be taught. And Robert McKee will tell you a lot about that. Um, you know, it's important to know that. And I think that you can if there's a problem with the story you can break through it's yep. not like you sit there and wait for the muse to tell mm. you what to do and so actually getting through that barrier and learning from people taught me things that i should do it taught me things that i was never going to do from the way that you know some of the things i've observed i say you know i don't want to be that to be my career so but moving out from the digital world of of self-publishing i actually didn't have enough criticism around me i didn't have yeah. enough people yep. around me to tell me Absolutely. no ian don't do that yeah. or have you thought about that Yeah, and people who I respected enough to listen to them as well. They weren't just random voices. And and I think you know uh, partially the problem for me was that the idea is that I didn't want didn't know that I was you know writing because I wanted to be a writer. It was because I was just writing and I thought was I liked books and I I really Mm. enjoyed writing Mm. and the writing process. Um, And I when publishing Inquisitor, apart from the editor that I knew who then died two years later. Definitely not because of Inquisitor. No, um, she was she was great. Mm. Uh, but apart, apart from that person who you know didn't give me a lot of um, mm. detailed feedback, she she uh, she helped a lot as the the grammar and such. Um, but mm. the line editing and the copy editing. But um, yeah, I didn't have those voices, mm. and so that was one of the reasons why the guillotine existed. You know, and and after it happened. And, you know, I fumbled around and found my head and then s- sewed it back shut with the help of a lot of people. You know, like, um, there were a lot of people then I met mm. who gave me a lot of writing advice. And you and I think what you said about community is really important, mm. is that, um, for me, it was, it was individuals. I found yeah. a lot of individuals that had a really strong grasp of writing and that um, mm. uh, both peers and also mentors that I could bounce ideas off and, you know, just finding people that you can trust that can look at your writing and give you honest and not, you know, very sobering Mm. advice and not, not the kind of, uh, you know, it's great, but this comma is out of place. It's like, that advice doesn't help. Um, Advice that really changes you and makes you a better, better writer. And like the three of us, I mean, I, I look at their writing, I comment on it and we have a, Mm. you know, a mutual respect for each other's writing. Um, and with Luke and, and, and such, I've, I've, you know, we often talk about our writing. And so, um, and now with Ian. So, mm. you know, finding people that you know can give you good advice yeah. and to just look at it both as a reader and a writer is really, really mm. important. So let's move on to a bit more personal stuff and mm. talk about 
things that more can personal. Aff- <laughs> <laughs> more personal. Wasn't personal enough. Oh folks. dear. We're really going down from yeah, here. This yeah. is the um the seven <laughs> levels of hell pretty much. Uh, and so you know we're we're getting we're down. Get you through all the steps of Inquisitor now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> There you go. Ooh. There we are. I'll wow. only let you say That's, that to me, Luke. Yeah. Um, uh, where's my copy? Yeah. <laughs> it's okay that none, none of them exist. I anymore. have it. I yeah. have it still. Yeah. That's good. I'll, That's I'll raid great. your house and burn them. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's get a bit more personal. And these are these are things that can affect writing. So real life events, um, mm. loss, um, love, uh, family, all of these things are can change the dynamic that exists in writing, both mm. in terms of time uh, and monetary as well, like, you know, t- surviving. Mm. Um, Luke, let's let's start with you. Um, you had a lot of time to write um, before, you know, you, you got married and you have a full-time job now. Like, how is that for you? Is that difficult? Is that, you know, do you have energy to write when you come home? Or what's that like? Not, a, not as much energy as I would like to have. No. Yeah. Um, I want to paraphrase a quote, um, and that's... I'm going to have to paraphrase my paraphrase of the quote in a second because <laughs> I'm having trouble. Um, uh, it's... Uh, great art is caused by lack of satisfaction. It's a very poor paraphrasing. Right. Uh, essentially, though, mm. uh, it, it means that um, when people are very satisfied, they don't write. Mm. And I found that a little bit from my, I'm not I'm not saying it's absolutely true. Obviously, you can still have art without mm. without um, being completely dissatisfied. But um, mm. I found slightly for me, it's hard for me to write when I'm reading mm. or when I'm in any way consuming stories because I have my brain in those stories. Mm. And when I'm writing, I like to. It might sound a little bit vain, but I like to think there's nothing else out there that I could possibly want to read, <laughs> so I have to write something yeah. to, to mm. fill that. Mm-hmm. And that's a dangerous spot for me to be in. It's, it's a dangerous spot for anyone. I'm assuming not everyone has this, but mm-hmm. <laughs> assuming it's, it's a bad spot for anyone to to be stuck in. Mm. Um, so, yes, there's a time issue when, you, when, you, when you're married, when you're working, but there's also that... Um, feeling of oh I've got something else to read still mm. so you, you're busy consuming this you're trying to like mm. figure out what the characters are doing figure out how, how writing is done figure out how writers have been putting it together mm. all that all that kind of thing um, so it doesn't it you, you don't have the, I don't have the same drive mm. as as I did yeah um, so in some ways it was great when I had a very narrow bookshelf with, with only a couple of genres in there <laughs> and only like three authors that I knew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that was very useful for me. Uh, I'm mm. not saying it's perfect. Obviously, I need to get some more, more self-discipline on that. <laughs> but um, So probably more serialized stuff to help with the discipline. Mm. But um, mm. uh, another thing, one of, the, one of the most interesting things, I think, for me as a writer, I think I'm going to generalize here and I'll say writer or artists in general um, work best when they are pessimistic and cynical. Right. That's, I think, that I think mm. kind of lines up with the quote I had a second ago, but um, <laughs> it helps to push push writing that kind of tries to not necessarily improve the world, but show what they've experienced mm. and, and why it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, you just get um, Hollywood love stories. Mm. 
The rom-coms. The rom-coms. Nothing wrong with that, but you get a lot of them. But mm. but there's nothing different with them. There's nothing, yeah. there's nothing that makes them stand out, for instance. Mm. Um, You're talking about human truth, then? Yeah. Human truth, yeah. Mm. Um, so, when... I was 14,000 kilometers away from my wife mm. mm-hmm. every day for like a year with a little gap between a visit and then a year. Mm-hmm. There were so many periods of emptiness mm-hmm. that I was writing to fill that void mm. Mm. and writing of loneliness and separation, things like that. Mm. Uh, not not for the sake of saying I'm very lonely, but just because I felt that, and I yeah. had, and yeah. I had that, um, that need to, to write about that feeling. Right. And I don't think my character was overly lonely through his whole his whole mm. his whole <laughs> book. There were there were moments, of course, but yeah. But um, I, I think it just helped to drive it, and it helped to drive me in writing. And so hmm. I don't know. I would like to say that's why most writers who've written a lot of things turn to drink. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> because they've had to go through those emotions so long that they just all the emotions, the coping but, um, mechanisms. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, I think that's um, the the problem is now that I've that I've got that in my head. It starts to sink in as the only way to write, yeah. right. which it cannot. And obviously, that that's mm. that's the thing to take from yeah. this. You mm. don't take that. You should be writing anyways. Um, mm. But it just—it's a—it's a thing that I've noticed, anyways, for myself and hmm. from history, to be honest. Yeah. But um, some, something to keep note of when you realize you need to keep writing. Yeah. Ian, personal, personal life yeah. getting in the way of helping all this. Yeah. All that kind of thing. I mean, my uh, my wife Tiff, she's been really you know supportive, um, and uh, I'm not just saying that because I'm on record. She genuinely has been really supportive. <laughs> Um, and, and I mean, I so I lost my job um, midway through writing the novel series that I, I was doing, um, and that was that was pretty tough. But actually, in a way, it kind of that was a bit of a release because I I, I was confident in my ability to you know find another job, mm. and I and I did uh, a few months later. Um, but during the time that I was looking for a job, I actually had more time to kind of uh, write. So I would search for jobs in the morning, do my applications and things like that, and then in the afternoon I'd. Uh, be sitting in the state library um, writing away uh, became a regular there which I really loved and it actually kind of turbocharged my writing uh, time so it was actually a useful period to be unemployed for mm. where I was able to really uh, hone in but I think that something that I've mentioned in passing on the podcast we talk about one of the realities of writing is money um, and mm. writers don't talk about it a lot one of the best articles I ever read which again I have referenced before uh, was talking about a writer who went to a book launch by another writer and they just mentioned in passing they thanked you know they thanked their husband um, and the, per- the person who was writing this article said, we don't talk about the privilege of writing, that writing is so often a privilege that's caused by money, by the mm. fact that you don't have to work so you can... Mm. T- uh, you don't have to work a regular job, I should say. Mm. Writing is work. Um, but, you know, you don't have to, to work a regular job so you can write. And, uh, and this person was pointing out that... Um, that so often writing is done from a position of privilege, which is concerning because the the people who you want to hear the voices of are often those people who aren't in those positions mm. of privilege. Now, I'm not yeah. saying at all that all writers out there are a privileged bunch, but what I am saying is that there is a financial reality to writing, yep. uh, which is a real struggle. 
Um, and so for me, there's been a point of taking the plunge. And uh, by the time this podcast comes out, it won't be new news, but um, I haven't mentioned it out in public before that I've just dived into actually getting a professional editor to look at my first manuscript. Um, and that is a, a large financial commitment. Mm-hmm. And so I'm actually taking the leap and it's, it's painful uh, to do that. But at the same time, I, I want to do it because I know, I know it's the right thing. So that's the reality of writing for me right now is yeah. that I still work a full-time job. I still maintain a, a Twitter following, a, you know, social media activity. So I do all of those things and it makes for a very busy life. Mm-hmm. Um, and the financial realities of that are quite, are quite harsh, yeah. I think. And that's what people kind of forget. And if I, if I wanted to really dive into a professional career and and working with young people as I've done in the past, um, I would have to, the amount of commitment that it would take to do that, if I wanted to get into a senior management role, if I wanted to to really go hard at a nine to five job, I would give up writing to do that. Mm. So there is a big sacrifice to be made to write. And I think that people don't necessarily consider that. They just think, oh, I'll just just write, but actually there's a cost to it. And I think that's what really is forefront of my mind so often is that there is a cost to what we do and sometimes even uh, it's even doing the podcast is a cost but yeah. I, I think if it's and if you don't think it's worth it you, you should bail yep yeah absolutely um sorry I get yeah. a bit passionate there no no it's, and it's it's very true and i i think demystifying the art of writing and the construction of writing is important but also the realities of the industry and yeah. just talking about the reality has to happen um we always, and not always, I don't want to generalize here, but um, we, are, we are flooded on a, on a mm. regular basis on success stories. Yeah. Um, and we imagine that to be the reality. Now, if you've worked in this industry for any length of time, you realize that it's a very small no. percentage of people that can survive off that. Yep. Um, but the majority of writers are part-time writers, yep. I would say, within our... The vast majority. Yeah, the vast majority. And so... You know, for me, for instance, I'm I'm not a full time writer. Um, I work. Um, I'm very blessed to work as an editor and um, as occasional writer uh, for the company that I work for. Um, and that changes. I'm a contract writer, so you know I work job to job, and uh, I need to keep looking for contracts every time a contract finishes up. And then I got to scramble around and mm. look for something to keep the keep the money coming in. And in between all that scrambling is where the writing takes place. Yep. Um, I have the benefit of being single, um, and the, the, my overhead costs are not very high, so I can survive off that. Um, and and I think in, in those realities, you know, somebody once told me that writers have to be selfish. Self uh, writers have to use the people around them, and it's an awful thing to say. But mm. in in some ways, we do use the people. We use our family. We use uh, our loved ones, and, mm. and and the emotional cost on them, and and yeah. and. You, mm. you have to be really lucky to get someone that understands that a lot of the time you, you're not going to be there for them, um, whether that's immediate family or if you get married. And There's costs associated with being a writer, um, and they're not easy costs. You have to decide um, your hierarchy of needs. You have to decide what you're going to prioritize in your life. And if you're going to prioritize something, that means the other things are going to have to take second place. Yeah. Um, or third or fourth and 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 that's tough yeah um so yeah for me that's exactly the same uh, we we're all here i think we're not all you know living in a penthouse riding with a cigar and yeah. um chardonnay but it's mm. and and i think in that regard you're absolutely right luke it uh, writing comes from a place of adversity because to be a writer you have to face adversity constantly mm. even in the career yeah. um and 
and doing that is a I for me is an incredibly rewarding process. Mm. Um, but uh, but it definitely is a cost. So yeah, I, I we're coming to the end of the episode now, and thank you very much for listening to us mm. rant on about our <laughs> struggles. And and I want to to make this clear that we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't love it. Mm. Uh, we wouldn't be writing if we didn't love it. Yeah, we wouldn't be podcasting if we didn't either. And I guess if I was to share a highlight, because, you know, those apocryphal stories about success, they really drive it. But I, I didn't realize, I think, as my final thought, if I can give one, one moment that sticks out over the last few years, I, um, I went to literary speed dating and I, I pitched, uh, you know, did these short, you have three minutes to pitch your story idea to publishers. And I pitched to every publisher uh, that I wanted to. All of them said, we'd like to hear your material. And I remember uh, coming out of there and calling uh, Tiff and saying, you know, they, they wanted to, to hear my work. And uh, I, I cried. Mm. And I, it was that moment that I realized what it meant to me because often I think as a writer, you don't want to admit how much it means to you to be published because you don't, you, there's a fear of, of rejection and disappointment there. Absolutely. And it's mm. actually really hard to face up to that. So writing is a brave thing. So if you're listening to this and you write, you have a round of applause from us, you have our admiration yep. because uh, it's a brave thing to continue doing this and to not give up and to do it in partnership with those around you who give you good advice mm-hmm. and to be humble about it enough to say, I'm willing to change. That's a, that's a brave thing to do. And it's something that I hope to, to summon the bravery to continue doing for a long time to come. Absolutely. Well, that was, that was quite the episode. Probably the best end quote we've got. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was fantastic. And I echo um, in sentiments completely. I think, um, I think it is it is very tough to be in this, and it's very brave. It's brave to the people that we make use of uh, mm. in the best possible way. Um, and to all those listening, who are, and a lot of our audience are writers, I assume, mm. um, and I hope you continue writing and, and keep fighting a good fight. Luke, final uh, thoughts on this? Uh, writing is probably one of the best choices I made. Mm. Um, it's been on and off for me, but I... I think it, it's weird because I can say I'm one of those weird vain writers who enjoys his writing but doesn't put <laughs> enough time to write more. Mm. Right. So mm. when I do write, I think I, I really enjoy the process. I enjoy the words. Mm. Um, I don't necessarily finish everything I start, that's, mm-hmm. but that's normal. Mm. But um, but I can look back and say I enjoy having played with the language, yeah. played with concepts, mm. stories, characters, and try to do something new and I think that's the biggest thing for me when I when I write I don't I don't set out to try and write oh gee I want to write the next the next of that last book I wrote so because that was just an awesome book I want to copy it no it's always something new it's always something fresh that Mm. maybe it's maybe it could be related to any of the other books I just love um playing with all these stories and I think that's one of the best things you can do is to put out a work that is it stands out by itself as something fascinating, new, and exciting. Fantastic. Well, thank you, listeners, for listening to us for more than 50 episodes now. It's a brave um, choice. <laughs> it is certainly a brave choice to listen to us for as long as you have, and we thank you for your support. We appreciate um, it, yeah. Yeah, and mm. we definitely appreciate you guys listening. Um, where can people find you guys? Luke, let's start with you website I'm social still, media links. still at the soul shard on twitter and um still the soul shard at the the soul shard.com that's the one <laughs> <laughs> there's a pause there <laughs> <laughs> i hear bookmark what can i say you could you could say we've been doing this for two years but you wouldn't have guessed it <laughs> ian 
Uh, you can find me at IHLaking on Twitter. Um, and the best thing you can do to support me right now is go to IHLaking.com, wait for about uh, 12 to 15 seconds for the pop-up, and sign up to my mailing list with your name and email address. That'll be great. Fantastic. Enable pop-ups too. Yeah. <laughs> Enable pop-ups. Yes, exactly. And check your junk uh, yeah. email and spam and all that sort of stuff. It's really important to writers uh, that you check boxes. your spam. That's right. Thank you. Um, <laughs> public service announcement. Uh, well, thank you for listening. Uh, themorningbell.com is where you can find us. Actually, I think it's .com.au. Yep. Changed my mind. Uh, at the morning bell on Twitter. And hopefully we'll be tweeting a bit more in the future, so look out for that. And please do follow us there. My personal Twitter is at the Pen of Joel and thepenofjoel.com. Um, and that's just about it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we have a very exciting guest next week. We will be talking to a poet. Mmm, that mm. should be exciting. We don't get enough of them on the podcast, and we definitely want more. So that will be quite the tasty morsel uh, for you to listen to and We'll see you on that podcast. Thank you very much for listening.